Don't just stand there and do nothing. We have now become a culture that seems to be caught up in making sure we're uninvolved. We've become bystanders. We're, we're so uh, concerned about doing the wrong thing, we do nothing at all. We're so concerned about what we don't know the results will be, we do nothing at all. We, we now hear there's, there's safe zones in schools, and you have to be careful to say this and not say this, so we say nothing at all. An elderly lady was crossing the street. She stumbled and fell over the curb, and people stood there and did nothing to help her up. We we, we find our, sometimes it's easier to do nothing than to do something. And yet that is so contrary to why we are here. It is so opposite of what God desires for our lives. Don't just stand there and do nothing. The book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon is writing in all his wisdom and all his understanding and experience. He's talking about life. And the first several chapters are very frustrating and disappointing to read because he talks about life without God. He talks about the fact that men and women toil and they work hard and yet it adds up to nothing and you live and you die and it's over. And, and it's a real frustrating first part of the book to read because... No matter what you do, it doesn't matter. Isn't that that frustrating? That's what he says. No matter what you do, it doesn't matter. You live, you get old, you die. So eat, drink, and be merry because you don't know. So just, hey, it doesn't matter. Now you think, boy, that's that's a lot of negativity for a guy who's supposed to be the smartest guy in the world. But he's building a case for what he's about to finish up in the book of Ecclesiastes. He brings God into the picture. He does it very subtly. But all of a sudden, there's a shift in his understanding and his perspectives. He sees how God wants us to operate. I say to you today, we need to, again, rediscover how God wants us to operate. So don't stand there and do nothing. Because life has meaning when there is a mission in life. And I want you to know. We have a mission. We really, really do. And that's where the meaning is. That's where it matters what you do and how you do it. So life has meaning when there's a mission in life. What does that look like? Solomon finally brings God into the mix of life, and he lets us know that life is abundant with challenging opportunities with God. And God's up to something. God's up to something pretty huge. And he wants you and me to be a part of it. He wants uh, First Baptist Linda to experience some amazing things that he has in store for us. So as we look at this, here we go. For followers of Christ, life is not boring. Rather, it's an adventure of faith, often being unpredictable, but never boring. So first of all, you invest in people. The return is priceless. Here's what Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 1 says, and it's from the message because the message actually gives the intent of the passage, not just the translation. So I chose that today. Here's what it says. Be generous. Invest in acts of charity. Charity yields high returns. Do something beyond yourself is what that means. Do something for someone else. Give beyond yourself. Now, what does this mean? Because now he's saying, he's saying, 
be generous. Life really does have meaning. Things have purpose. And so what does that look like? Well, it's a word. Here's the word picture that goes along with this verse. It's that there's a guy who sends out his cargo. He's, he's, he's worked pretty hard. He's brought in his yield, and now uh, his, he's brought in his product. He puts it on a cargo ship. He sends it off to another place for to sell it, and he's going to get a return. And so with great expectation, he packs the ship, sends it out, and he waits patiently for his return, and it comes back. And that's the word picture. What Solomon says is, let's invest in people and see what comes back. The reward of labor and patience and faith is priceless. So you, what do you do? There's just two things I want to be sure. Number one, invest your God story in others. Invest your God story in others. You need to be telling your story to people all the time. Someone needs to hear it. What is your God story? Well, your God story is when you come to find Christ as your Savior and Lord, when you had that moment of surrender, that moment of decision, when you trusted him with all your heart and you became a follower of Christ. And then you probably have a lot of stories that follow that of after following God, what happens in your life and the prayers he's answered and the storms he's brought you through. But there's God's stories that need to be shared and people need to hear them because they're all, they're a part of our lives. And God has given us this God story to tell about him to others that they may develop and enjoy their own God story. So you talk about Jesus to others. If we're not careful, we get caught up in thinking, well, nobody wants to hear, and I don't want to offend anyone. Well, if you tell your story with love, they're not going to be offended. If you tell it with a ball bat, they will. You tell it with love, with care for their soul, with a desire to see something happen in their life. And you share it with such passion and kindness. Oh, truth is truth. Don't back off the truth. But share it. Invest in someone, maybe where you work or where you go to school or where you do your recreation or where you do your ball games. Share. Share. Invest in people. Second thing, invest your time into someone that they may grow in faith. You invest your story, that's incredible. We all should be able to do that. That costs nothing to share your story. And actually, your time, and today we're told by a lot of researchers that time is more important than money to most people. So when you invest your time, it's probably very valuable. So what does that look like? I'm going to now invest my time into someone's life that they become a, a more committed follower of Christ, that they may grow in their faith, whether it starts with my family or, or my church or my community. It's something I'm going to do. Investing your time is simply uh, it's a, maybe using your gifts and talents and abilities to do something that, that really matters. And so maybe it's being a Sunday school teacher. And you've got to grind out the time. You've got to prepare for the lesson. You've got to get things done. You've got to make your contacts. And sometimes it's, it's pretty demanding, let's be honest. And every once in a while, it's sometimes frustrating. But that's part of the journey. You invest in your time because you believe God's going to do something in the future that brings results. That's why you're packing your cargo ship, sending it out, knowing that something's coming back. And so you put your time in, and you make a difference. Uh, Maybe it's a nursery worker. A nursery worker. Yeah, you say, what uh, is a nursery big deal? It's a really huge deal. because And children's church is a huge deal because you are investing in not only the children you're 
loving on and caring about, you're investing in the people to hear the story that takes place in here. You're making it easy for them to hear the gospel. I, I learned this years ago I'm, at my second church. I, I, um, I had a family come visit one Sunday. Beautiful family. They sit on the third row. I'll never forget them. I actually went to school with both of them and didn't realize it. Uh, but uh, but uh, then I, after I talked about it, but they, they sit there with two kids. They were unchurched. They had not been in church in a long time. Their children had never been in church. And pretty much they acted like it. I mean, they were going, they didn't know when you're supposed to be quiet, what's going on. And so I went to make a visit, the, you know, I think it was, a, it was a Tuesday night. And after and I went and knocked on the door and said, listen, thank you for visiting our church. And, and um, I, I just, you know, loved having you. And then I realized, you know, we had a connection and through high school. But then they said this, the mom said this, look, we, we enjoyed it as best we could, but it was really hard with our kids. They, you know, we haven't been in church. We don't know what to do with them. And, and I don't know uh, what we're going to do. And, man, God just spoke my heart pretty solid. And I said, here's what we're going to do. Tell you what, if you come next Sunday, we'll have a place for you kids in children's church. We didn't have a children's church. In five days, we put one together. I went back because they needed Jesus. Hey, they needed Jesus, man. And, and I'm going, this is the thing that they, I can't come back. So I went and, and uh, sat down with a couple of people that are very gifted. I said, look, Sunday morning, we're going to launch this. Da, 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 da. We're going to talk about it, promote it. And, and actually, we did a phenomenal thing in about five days because it was a God thing. And then, and then, you know, we all of a sudden became the birth of something incredible at Arbor Heights, and it grew, and, and they came, and, and those kids went to Children's Church, and they heard the gospel, and first she got saved, and then eventually he got saved, and they became incredible workers in the church. He, was, he went on mission trips, and, and she did incredible things, and still she's an amazing woman today. Both those children tragically died in a car wreck. He died of a heart attack, but this thing I know, they're with Jesus. Because we invested time. I, I'm telling you that to say, look, there's times it's hard and it's inconvenient, but you invest your time that someone may have a response to the Lord and you grow that people may grow. I, I remember uh, when, when a long time ago here, I, I, we, we didn't seem to have a connection with the college group and I wanted to do a class. I started, I said, I'll, I'll teach the class. And, you know, I, I remember that group. I'll never forget that group of young men and women. And let me tell you the priceless part of that. Today, they're deacons and workers in this church. You invest your time. Sunday school teachers with youth and children and child, choir workers, man, you invest in your time to see what God will do. You never know to invest your time. But you know something priceless is coming. So right now, Eric and I are going to do the college and singles again, man. Craig, we're, we're excited about that uh, because we believe we got to invest in this generation. And so it's kind of exciting. I can't wait to see what's going to come out of this group five years down the road or ten years down the road. But anyway, you, you, you invest in people. Their turn is priceless. Uh, bless someone with generosity today. Wow. Bless someone with generosity today. Be kind, be generous. Is what he says in verse 2. Don't hoard your goods. Spread them around. Be a blessing to others. This could be your last. Night. <laughs> wow. 
we should be known for what we give, not for what we keep. Can I tell you something? Y'all did incredible this past week. You are so generous. In very short notice, because it's just happening that way because of the flood in Baton Rouge, that we said, look, we're going to take up some water and stuff, whatever you want to bring, and we're going to take care of it. And um, you guys were amazing what you did. Y'all brought stuff. Man, we had the office filled and places downstairs. And, and Thursday morning, uh, 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 me and one of the janitors, we took our trucks and loaded them up and drove over to the, the tractor-trailer truck on Darlington Drive. And, and the guy's great. The guy that owns me, he's, he's, man, we're going to drive the tractor truck. We're going to do that. We're done donating the gas and the time. And let me tell you, it was so incredible to walk up and see this thing over half full. Thought about the generosity of God's people. Then I thought about you guys, man. We loaded up three, one, two, three, four pallets of stuff. Four pallets. And I'm talking about, you know, this, this, I mean, that whole big, he had strapped in four pallets of stuff. We sent water to people who are thirsty. We sent some diapers to babies who need them. We sent some, some clothes. We sent all kind of stuff. Some of you ladies sent pocketbooks. Y'all know what's really important, don't you? I got that. Got to have a pocketbook. Got to carry that stuff around. I love it. I watched. We were over there in little trucks, and other people came over to watch. I was like, this is great. I want you to know. And the truck went down to Cedartown, 6 o'clock Friday morning, loaded up the rest of it took off. They were in Baton Rouge by Friday night. And today, people are drinking the water you gave. Isn't that awesome? Gosh, that's so good. Man, that's good. I think about, man, just a few weeks, we got Freddie Giles' ice bucket challenge coming. Man, guys fighting ALS. what an opportunity to come and just and be a blessing. Just be a blessing. Be a blessing. And I think we're going to feed you a hot dog. Get to buy a hot dog and chips and hang around and watch people get wet. And you watch Freddie beam with the glory of Christ. Third, be on mission now, even when circumstances may not be favorable. Verses 3 through 5. When the clouds are full of water, now watch this. You know, Psalm said, when the cl- it, a farmer, the first one was about a guy who had a, who had a commerce, okay? He had a business. This was about a farmer. He says, then you look at the farmer. Sometimes the farmer goes out and observes the sky to determine what the weather's going to be like that day. And sometimes the clouds are full of water, which means it's going to rain. And it rains. When the wind blows down a tree, it lies where it falls. You've got no control over that. We've all kind of been sometimes the victims of that. Don't sit there watching the wind. Do your own work. Don't stare at the clouds. Get on with your life. We spend way too much time trying to predict what's going to happen before we do anything. Now, I understand wisdom and 
planning. Get all that. But sometimes God's just doing something spontaneous, and he wants you to be faithful in what you're supposed to be doing. And, and so he says, look at this. Be on mission now, even when the circumstances aren't favorable. It's a word picture of a farmer planning, knowing the weather is unpredictable and out of his control. And he says, you sow anyway. The problem here is too many people make excuses because they say it's going to rain. Damn, it's going to send good. I don't know what's going to happen. The wind's going to blow, so I'm just going to wait till conditions are favorable. Paul told his disciple, Timothy, you, you preach the word in season, out of season. When it's popular, when it's not. When it's profitable, when it's not. You just get up there and do it all the time, consistently. We need to understand there's seasons of time. There's seasons of rain and seasons of wind and seasons of sunshine. We just sow because we never know what the result's going to be till we sow. But we trust God with the results. Our journey in faith is a mystery. Don't be afraid of storms that you, that you never plant the seed or plant the field. God always works for his glory. And ignorance of the future is no excuse for apathy in the present. We go, well, I, I just don't know, so I'll do nothing. That is absolutely crazy. You do something. God gives you direction. He says, you go, you go sow. You, you plant seeds. You share your story. You invest in others. You bless others. You, you do your, what you're supposed to do as a follower of Christ. And, and you invest your time and, and your testimony and, and your treasure. And you go, okay, here's, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sow this regularly, faithfully. I'm going to do this. Because it is a mystery. I don't know what's going to come from it. I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm going to sow. I promise you, the man who went in to see a shoe salesman in Chicago and shared his story of Christ and how he could be saved had no idea that he was leading the next great evangelist of his time to the Lord, D.L. Moody. Amazing evangelist. Uh, you know, or, or, or the... Uh, the evangelist preached a revival in a small church, and three young men were saved, actually older children. And perhaps didn't seem like much, except one of those men turned out to be Wallace W.A. Criswell, pastored Dallas First Baptist for 50 years. Uh, you know, you don't know what you get. Those are, yeah. And, and you don't know what happens to you. So, and you can say, well, it's, it's a hard time. Guys, I understand it's a tough season right now. Oh, it is a tough season. But God's hand has not been short and it cannot save. Uh, it's looked more challenging than it used to be. That's all right. God's bigger than any challenge we face. So, so we understand that, that we go at it. We just sow. And if it rains, it rains. And if it's wind blows, the wind blows because I can't control that. But I can control my commitment to do what I'm supposed to do, whether it's popular or not, whether it's in season or not, whether I think it'll work or not. We move forward because that's the character of our king and the desire of his kingdom. It's a mandate. Fear of the unknown should not paralyze us. It should energize us because we're a people of faith. I don't, you know, guys... I, I don't know about the election. I don't know who's going to win. And truthfully, in the scheme of eternity, it don't matter. The purpose for my life, it doesn't matter. I, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do and do what I'm called to do. And I'm going to love Jesus, serve Jesus, share the story. I don't care who wins. 
you know, and more than likely, uh, and I'm certainly not worried about being politically correct, uh, because I think it's a time we just be uh, graciously but honestly committed to truth. And so, uh, look, people are waiting around. Why are you waiting around, man? Somebody needs to hear the story today, tomorrow. Why are you waiting around? As a matter of fact, what's going on now is a great opportunity to share, incidentally. I've had a chance to talk to somebody almost every week because they want to know, what do you think is going to happen? Well, I'm going to tell you this. I know in the end, Jesus is coming. Hey, we're going to be all right. Suppose it gets bad. Well, if it gets bad, God's able. Man, if it gets bad, we'll be all right. I mean, look at the book of Acts. They did all right, didn't they? Anyway, I got them doing a series on Acts a little later on. Let me move on. All right, here we go. Um, you know, we sit there and wonder. We wonder. Share Jesus faithfully. Serve others lovingly. Trust in God with the results here and hereafter. Man. It's all said and done. This is the sum of Solomon's wisdom. Verse 6 says this. Go to work in the morning. Don't look at the clouds. Don't worry about the wind. Go to work in the morning. Stick to it until evening without watching the clock. Wow. You never know from moment to moment how your work will turn out in the end. Just do it for Jesus, man. Be good with it. Pay attention every moment of the day. Is there someone I can talk to? Is there someone I can pray for? Can I, what I've discovered about Facebook now, you, you, people used to say, how do you pray continually? Get on Facebook. I mean, prayer requests are popping up every five minutes. That's awesome. I think that is incredible. That's one of the few good things Facebook's doing. As hey, let's man, pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Pray, I got a prayer request. Gosh, you stop and pray. There, and you say, well, I don't know the people don't matter. You pray. You go, man, let me pray for this person. Let me pray for what's going on in their life. And, 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 you, and you, 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 you just lovingly pray for people. You, and you trust God with the results. What's going on here and hereafter? It's pretty good. In the closing chapter of John, Jesus has a, he has a dinner. He, has a, he eats with his disciples. And he's had this conversation with Peter because Peter fumbled the ball really bad when he denied Christ. And he had to get that straightened out, get set free from his guilt. Jesus did a wonderful job. They said, I want you to go feed my sheep, man. I'm not, I'm not through with you. I'm not done with you. I, that, was just, that was just preparing you. That was fine-tuning you. Now let's go to work. And he says, Peter, I want you to know, I'm not through with you. I got a plan for you. And it's got, here's the plan. You're going to go where you don't want to go one day, but a hand's going to reach out and grab you and carry you through. You're talking about the Holy Spirit. And you're going to be okay, and you're going to be fine. And he said this signifying that Peter would die for his faith. Now, you understand Peter's greatest fear was dying for his faith. That's why I denied Christ. You understand that? That's a big deal. When Peter heard it, he's going, oh, shoot. I was trying to get out of that. I love Peter because he's very human. Jesus says, dude, you're going to die for me. And, and, and it's okay because there, there'll be someone to get you through that. You'll be fine. 
Can you believe what he does next? Such an awesome revelation of his life. And he says, what about John? (laughs) Is he going to die too? And Jesus said, why are you worried about John? If it's my desire that he stays alive till I come back, it's not your concern, Peter. You plant your field. I've given you a field. You plant it. John has his field. Don't get distracted by looking at everybody else. Look at your field. Field God's put there. And planting it. Sow into your family. Sow into your friends. Sow into your associates. Sow into your teammates. Sow into your community. Just do it for Jesus. You never know what happens. I'll close with this last story. I, uh, years and years and years ago, long years ago, when I was first year graduate out of high school and I was at my church in First Baptist Mableton and we were having a youth night and and they had the band playing that's back. It wasn't, you know, we had a band with drums and guitars and all that stuff. That w- that's back when it wasn't really popular. But our pastor said, well, we're going to reach young people. And he, with the band played, and it was a Sunday night. And it was great. And, and they'd asked me to speak. It was a Sunday youth-led worship, and they'd asked me to speak. Guys, I, I wasn't called to preach at that time. I, 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 didn't, I was terrified to speak. I, I was afraid of what I would do. And I remember saying, God, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? And I don't know how to do this, and this is scaring me to death. But I, I'll share something. And, and, I, and I got up and shared about seven or eight minutes and gave an invitation. And one of my guys from high school, he was that time a senior in high school, and he came forward and gave his heart to Christ. We became good friends. He later became the youth minister of that church, and I would be one of his Sunday school teachers, and we would do a lot together, and we did church camps together, and we did mission trips together. Who'd ever thought on a Sunday night with a seven-minute sermon from a kid who was really scared to death and probably couldn't tell you what I said, God raised up a man who would be the president of two universities, pastor of three great churches, and win thousands to Christ. You go back to that Sunday night. Today I get to be a trustee on his board. That blows me away. He said, son, I got to have you. Well, I'm not much, but I'll help you. But let me tell you, you don't know to you so what God's going to do. I've watched what he's done in some of you, and you are priceless. Priceless. Count an honor. I'm going to leave here in a minute and go preach at We the Church, 10 o'clock service, because Adam asked me to. I've invested in Adam. 
He's buddy. He's one of my disciples. I'm going to stand in his pulpit this morning and preach to his people. Of which, incidentally, we're a sponsoring church. We're the father of that church. And today it's going to be priceless to see what God is doing. He had 200 people last Sunday that you invested in because you loved on that guy and you prayed on that guy and you came and listened to him preach when he was just learning and you said, good job. God's in the 